Greg, Jason and I were just talking during the break, and we want to know, what are you getting us at the Nike employee store? Because Jason's a large and I'm a medium. The clapping coordination, not dope. That's a no. Yeah, this day's about to get really bad. (laughs) The NIT, who cares about the NIT, man? Because football is king. Every day! (laughs) This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now, the head football coach at Brigham Young University, Kalani Satake, who once upon a time was a recruit in his own right. But things are much different these days, Coach. Uh, what was signing day like for you way back? I know we talked about this before, but re- Yeah, nothing everyone. like this. But I, I think it's probably trending that way a little bit with the early signing period. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't anything special. Like I said, signed your, your, your uh, papers and then... Back then, we faxed it and went to seminary. That's the, that's the way it was. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, let's jump right in. Devontae Henry Cole, this is a big get at running back. Uh, what will he do for BYU? Yeah, he'll be joining a great running um, back core and, and looking at the group that we have, a lot of guys with experience. And, um, you know, most of that is because of some injuries that happened along the, along the season. But um, just a great individual. And, and A-Rod did a great job recruiting him along with Fessy. And we've had some great help from um, you know, people in the biology department and just having some, uh, it's, that was the special part about the whole, all the recruiting process that not just the coaches, but, and the, the assistants did a great job, but it's our players getting on campus and getting to meet the faculty and staff, teachers, people that care about them and, and being, having that interaction. That's something that he felt really comfortable with and wanted to commit right away. And that, that was a, something that we really wanted to happen to. So we're glad he's a part of the team as well as the other signees. Yeah, we uh, talked with Elisa Tuyaki about the legacy families. I'm interested to get your thoughts. Peelys, Kafusis, you want to recruit them, but also now Josh Wilson, the younger brother of Zach Wilson, and Romneys, and Tui Pelotus, and Rexes. Um, how do you manage that family pipeline and uh, manage to keep going to the ball to find this great talent? That's that's always the 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 family part has always been part of the BYU. It's not just new, uh, something that's recent. I mean. The Youngs, you know, you've heard that, those names before, and you, you've heard a bunch of different names. Satakes and Reynolds, and yeah, I mean, the, yeah, you can keep going. Even the Staleys, people forget about the Staleys, yep. and and uh, I mean, we've we've always had uh, the family connection here, and and um, you know, we're we're fortunate to have uh, these these younger brothers, and 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 so a lot of them, their parents uh, were part of the BYU family too. So uh, you know, this this is something that that makes a lot of sense, and. When you recruit them, it's it's um, crazy. You look at these these kids that have been committed. Petey's been committed for a long time, and you you look at his situation. He had two older brothers that have signed with us already, committed, didn't really care about the recruiting process, you know. And and uh, and then you have a guy like um, like Tate who, who who took a while to to to, to do it, and, and he wanted to go through his own journey of it. And uh, they all came to the same conclusion that this is where they want to be. And uh, just fortunate that we have great big brothers and, and parents that that allow their sons to make. Um, big time decisions and, and something that will impact the rest of their life as as living proof of that myself being a former player here. The Super Bowl, I, I loved uh, some of the interesting metrics related to the stars, you know, and it was m- like the majority were three stars, and that's kind of where this class is, and BYU mm-hmm. tends to be occasional some four stars, right? Uh, can you explain how you guys evaluate talent versus third parties where fans may see, oh, BYU is 70th in ranking in recruiting or something, but to mm-hmm. you guys, you're not concerned about that? No, because uh, I mean, it, first of all, that doesn't really matter to me. I, I'm looking at 
uh, a five-star character as a person and uh, and the potential to grow. Now, uh, you know, when we have the missionary program, that's one of those things where you sign guys and you're like, yay, see you in a couple of years, you know. And That's today. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and, and, and those guys have to go into the developmental part because you don't see them for a couple of years. And, um, but you get them back, you know. But in the meantime, you sign another part of the class that um, that have to be more guys that are game ready. And we've kind of done that a little bit more this year than years past. And, and we've kind of been trending that way because we know that we're getting a lot of developmental guys. And we've been hit with a different type of schedule where we're dealing with injuries. I mean, it was said to me that we have we've the most amount of number of starters that have started than any other team in the country. That's not really anything to brag about. We just have to get healthy and find ways to stay healthy. and then Really? Um, more injured starters than any other yeah, team in the country? This past season, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, this past season. And, but that, like I said, that's not something you should like be tipping your cap at. That's something that you should be saying, hey, let's get this fixed. And um, It's good that we have – we've tested our depth. I've been talking about depth for years now. And now part of the depth is that getting guys that can be developmental but having more guys that are game ready. And uh, a lot of these guys have made big-time plays, and I think they're going to come in here with the type of attitude and, and – um, you know, um, I think just the, the readiness to be on the field, it's not going to be too big for them. And so uh, looking forward to that. I think you heard E talk about the difference between Chris Wilcox when he was a freshman and Isaiah Heron. That's, we've seen part of it when Chris Wilcox was going through that his freshman year, and, and that was really all we had to turn to. And now we have a stable of guys that we think we can pick from that are ready and that are progressing, and then they'll compete and the best will play. And that's in every position, but... Um, we need more depth and we need more game-ready guys. BYU head football coach Kalani Satake with us on signing day. You had nine mid-year additions, and this is always tricky because they come back at different times, so you've got to decide who's going to redshirt, who's going to sit out a full year, and who's going to contribute immediately. When you look at the mid-year additions, what guys do you see contributing immediately for the 2020 season? Well, all these guys are great players. I mean, you, you have the, the list of them with Preston Lewis, Tyler Batty, Andrew Slack, uh, Caleb Christensen, Bentley Hanshaw, Seth Willis, Ryan Rico, uh, Mesa Fakahua, who's listed as an athlete, but he he he's had he had quarterback offers, right? And Fisher Jackson, another great athlete that can play at the end line of scrimmage, a DN or a linebacker, and uh, those guys are all with us right now. And and um, you know, looking at him, like Ryan Rico's got a strong leg; he's a great athlete. I mean, he's he's got a long frame, and um, guys like Tyler Batty is a guy that uh, we we knew wasn't going to be ready in August, and had some time to, to get ready for now in, in January. He, I think we're looking for big things from him at the DN position. But all those guys that I named, I think, could, could really contribute and have a have a, a place in the depth chart um, this this fall and then starting the spring, you know. And then we're adding Tanner Baker, Ben Tuipolotu, who's Peter's, Petey's older brother, um, Campbell Barrington, who's Clark's brother, and Connor Pay, Tyson Lewis. Those guys are really good players. And then three of them are old linemen, one tight end and one D lineman. So we're bringing some bulk and some size back. Uh, for the fall. So I'm looking forward to these guys joining our, our, our program. And I remember a couple of years back, I was going, man, I can't wait for these guys to get back. And now they're here. So. <laughs> now they're here. Bang. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them make plays and, and looking forward to it. Well, and certainly uh, I'm guessing a contract extension helps uh, you solidify some of these commitments as well. Hey, everything could change, uh, you know, with, with how the world goes. But I, all I know is that we're living for 2020 right now. And I'm focused on that. I, I'm just thankful that I have an administration that's confident in me and, and confident in what the program is doing and just looking forward to making all the fans happy. Just no tan in the future, right? <laughs> no. That, that, I, I go for 
thinning things. So the, the slimming, <laughs> uh, the black, let's bring it back because it's Darker only, colors, only yeah. for the sake of my ego and making me look thinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coach, it's great to have you with us. Congratulations Thanks, on Go the Cougs. Class. Appreciate you guys. Thank right. you. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Signing day 2020, and the obvious trending topic is a new class of BYU football Cougars. So let's get right to it and introduce them. Starting with wide receiver Devin Downing, 6'2", 175 pounds, out of American Fork High School. This, the words of the BYU recruiting staff, came up big in every game, including playoffs, to help a young freshman quarterback. And remember Chase Roberts, the four-star receiver from American Fork High School in 2018? Devin Downing was on the other side. So this is a tandem being reunited at BYU. Here's wide receivers coach Fessy Satake on why he wanted Devin in Provo. Devin Downing is, has a, been a guy that's just produced his whole career. I mean, he had over 100 receptions this year as a senior, um, had an amazing stats last year as a junior, has been a first-team All-State guy multiple times. He just produces and um, makes plays. Um, I love that he's a multi-sport athlete and runs track and plays basketball. Um, just a very coachable kid. Doesn't say a lot. Um, he he's very similar to me in terms of Gunnar Ramish, in terms of personality, uh, very, very mellow, low-key, but you put him on the field, you can tell he plays with some passion. He's one of several mission-first Cougar signees, yeah, so most, most of these are you can plan like. on seeing him in, like, 2023. The schedule will still be hard that year, by the way, Jerem. I think so. And he was obviously a big part of American Fork High School's success. Devin Downing. The last two years, he has 3,000 receiving yards and 38 touchdowns. I mean, just numbers. It's it's hard to, it's hard to have put up a bunch of numbers and say, yeah, that guy's not good enough for this level. No, no, no. This guy can come in and compete, and uh, I, 175 certainly is going to gain weight when he comes back from his mission. Um, but a three-star guy going to be with Chase Roberts. Those two were really good at uh, American Fork, so that's awesome. Okay, next up, Jake Griffin, O-lineman, 6'6", 265 out of Mesa, Arizona, Red Mountain High School, three-star, committed last week. Utah had great interest, so always great uh, to steal a potential Ute, right? Heavily recruited by at least five Pac-12 schools. Wow. Mission first guy. Here's Eric Mateos on Jake Griffin. So Jake is a really long, athletic uh, athlete, a guy who's relatively new to playing O-line full-time, very physical, has a lot of work to do on technique. He reminds me a lot of, of uh, Brady Christensen in uh, his high school film. There's a lot of uh, parallels there. I really believe that once he's able to, to play uh, O-line full-time and not be playing 160 snaps a game in a high school setting, I think we'll really see him shine. Uh, when he gets back from his mission, he's going to be able to put on the right kind of way. He's got broad shoulders, long arms, and he's willing. Two thoughts there. One, the Brady Christensen comp is awesome because mm-hmm. Brady Christensen is an NFL prospect. And two, he was playing both sides of the ball, apparently. So 160 snaps a game, he wasn't even focusing on offense per se. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, mission first guy, we'll see him in a couple years. Joining the, according to Pro Football Focus, best position group coming back for BYU in the approaching years. On with another wide receiver for BYU, Miles Davis, 6'1", 193 pounds. He's listed as a defensive back slash wide receiver, but 
looks to have a future at wide receiver, we think. He would help immediately. Coaches use the word clutch to describe this kid. He would be a great compliment to Cody Epps, the three-star wide receiver that already signed back in December from Los Angeles. And again, this is a fun scenario because Davis played both defensive back and wide receiver at a high level in high school. And the BYU coaching staff has taken notice. Fessy Satake likes him as a potential playmaker at receiver. Um, He's a guy that is just dynamic. He's got speed. He's a junior Olympic track kid. Um, Receiver was his primary position in, in high school. And so I think that's... That's one draw we have naturally. That's that that was his primary position. And so I think any time we can get a, a vertical threat like him, um, I, I think it's just a positive. And and he's also a guy we can potentially, you know, hand the ball off to and, and let his speed, um, you know, make make some plays for us. And so, uh, you know, exactly where he lands his feet and what what he plays more primarily is kind of to be determined. We're just excited for the type of athlete and young man we're getting in him. And while Fessy and the offensive staff view Davis as, yes, a playmaking pass catcher who can do a lot of different things, stretch the field, other members of the staff may have a different plan in mind for Miles Davis, like cornerbacks coach Gennaro Guilford. Miles Davis, um, you know what? He might be one of the most explosive kids that, um, that we've signed at BYU. We're talking about a kid who um, is going to make the junior Olympics in the 400 and possibly the 200. Um, he plays receiver, but um, if you know me, I always like to steal guys who play receiver and, and switch them to DB. So um, that's kind of the, the mode that I'm in now. Um, a guy who's already 6'1", six, six, 190 pounds, but just explosive, dynamic, great ball skills. Now, Miles is a guy that does not have a backdrop with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but his mom was raised in Ogden, so they know Utah, and she's all about BYU and Miles Davis and the connection that they're going to have in this environment. Speed, that's what I saw on film. Speed, and we'll always take this. Also, does he play saxophone? It sounds like a jazz musician. Like I I love (laughs) the idea of Miles Davis coming in. That that sounds awesome. Great. Speed. Amazing. And he looks like he has good hands, so uh, keep him at receiver. Sorry, Gennaro. Yeah, if he starts dropping passes or whatever, okay. Then 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 you can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, that's awesome. Okay, next up, a guy familiar to the audience, but uh, it's great to have him because he was wanted by a lot of people. Tate Romney. Linebacker. I got a son named Tate. I love that name. Another Romney brother. Another Romney. So this is the this is the younger brother of Baylor and Gunner. So Chandler, Arizona, six three two twenty. This is one of the best players in the class. Mission first. One hundred fifteen tackles last year. Thirteen tackles for loss. Seven sacks. Three star. Recruited by five Pac twelves. Kansas State. Vanderbilt among them. Uh, good academics there for Tate Romney. This is a guy that uh, BYU still had to get in the last second. It wasn't a guarantee just because his brothers were here that he was going to come here. But this is a big deal. The film on this guy is impressive. He looks like he could play right away. Like if he didn't go on a mission, that he could play and contribute in some capacity to BYU right now. Here's Ed Lamb, his position coach, on Tate Romney. Tate is one of several in this class, family affairs, and in fact several linebackers. But uh, what I've learned is you can't have enough uh, Romney's on the team, so we're excited about Tate. Tate's 6'3", 220. He's got a lot of versatility. I see him as uh, potentially playing any of our linebacker positions. Very reckless on the field. Fills up a stat sheet. Sacks, tackles for loss, interceptions. Uh, he's a tackling machine. This guy looks awesome, and I love what we see on film. I love what we've seen from his brothers, obviously, athletically. They're at uh, this level, but he is the 
perhaps thickest, strongest version of a Romney because he's a linebacker, man. He's 220. Yeah, when Ed Lamb said tackling machine, I just thought of Bobby Boucher. Tackling fuel. The pads are a little smaller, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Let's stay with the linebackers and talk about Bodie Schoonover. 6'4", awesome. 214 pounds, another mission-first guy. He was ultimately deciding between UCLA and BYU. Picks the Cougars. While he is listed as a linebacker, BYU coaches say he's a developmental player physically, just a good athlete overall. And I think that he's a guy that will get big enough to eventually play on the defensive line. He played tight end as well at American Fork High School. And how about the pipeline that American Fork High School is putting out for BYU football? Yeah, it used to be just all Lone Peak, it felt like, right? But American Fork doing a good job in the rivalry there. Uh, last minute, chose BYU over UCLA. So that's awesome. And then you lo- I, love, I love the height. I love the ability to either... Be a tall backer, kind of like what Keenan Peely is right now at 6'3", 6'4". But this was a talented guy. He got hurt his senior year. Otherwise, he would have been on the radar a little more. Uh, But this is is an awesome last-minute get. BYU had three dudes that were kind of last-minute. They got two of the three. Bodie was one of them. Ed Lamb on Bodie and his potential. Goes about 6'4", and maybe 220 pounds right now. Has a ton of development potential. I think he can play... All of the linebacker positions, potentially even a defensive end, defensive line position. Excited about his future and uh, his runway, his potential in the program. And um, another winner. He's a guy that's played in state championship games, tremendous leader for a local high school for us, and grew up a BYU fan. You heard Coach Lamb just mention that Bodie is a BYU fan, grew up that way. Well, here's proof after you see his highlights. Little Bodie all decked out in his BYU gear. Now, this is cool because a dream is being realized. Oh, man. And it's like the terrible jerseys, right? With so the he's, tan. So he's a real fan. Uh, he's going to upgrade to something much better than yes. what he has on there. Oh, the navy and the oh, the tan's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> if he wore the tan, he's a real fan. You know what I mean? That's, That's awesome. True. You can survive that. You can survive anything. That last anything. highlight we showed, we should have warned the audience. I mean, that was, that was gruesome. Just plowing over a, a poor like sophomore from Payson or something. I don't I don't know what happened. Wow, <laughs> that poor Jeez. sophomore from Payson. Man, Bodie, he looks good. Okay, next up, Logan Peely, another name uh, familiar. Obviously, uh, Trajan and Keenan. This is his younger brother. Uh, their younger brother, six one two zero five from Provo, uh, Timfew High School, three star, mission first. Very smart player, heavily recruited. At one point, there was interest from Michigan State, UCLA, Penn State, Stanford. Played in the Polynesian Bowl. Here's Ed Lamb on Logan Peely. Uh, really excited about this this uh, latest Peely for us. Cannot have enough Peelys in the program. Uh, Logan is uh, has played safety, linebacker, even lined up at the line of scrimmage. Have been a blitz threat for his team here locally at Tempview. Um, tremendous athlete with a lot of development potential and another guy that can play all of the linebacker positions for us. And that's awesome because you're going to continue to have that Peely pipeline. And Keenan was a guy that at times was pretty good for BYU. He got banged up uh, in the USC game on the first play, but kind of longer, lean guy. And those guys have been really solid for BYU. And uh, their sister, Carolyn, worked here. She married um, Ronai Lalupucha. We love Carol. So we love the Peely family. It's cool to see these legacy names showing up, not just in a few instances, but all over the board. I mean, we've got... Wilsons and yeah, Kofusis no. and Romneys. There have been ones that have been missed the last couple of years, right? Like Britton Covey was one that was tough. And, uh, you know, one of the Reeds, obviously, uh, goes to Stanford. So th- those are tough. It's nice. And I, they don't have to come to BYU. But it's nice when they do because sure. there's a legacy here. There's familiarity, right? Um, 
you know, Kafusi's a name that we've heard forever. Perhaps we'll have another one today. We'll see. Yeah, and now um, Peely, right? Yeah, and, and Peely, which is awesome. Uh, you know, you kind of know what you're getting out of the family, right? And it's consistency, it's athleticism, and it's tackling machines. All right, we move on with John Nelson, a defensive lineman. 6'4", 260 pounds out of Salem Hills High School. Yeah, three-star, mission-first, ready-made defensive lineman. Cousin of former USC linebacker Porter Gustin okay. from Salem as well. Uh, could be a, a tackle, perhaps an end. Well, Lauren Gustin plays basketball for BYU Women's Hoops. She's just redshirting this year. There you go. So uh, Cousins, uh, you know, Sunday dinners just built in already for John. Uh, but mission first, here's Elisa Tuiaki on John Nelson. Yeah, John, John is another raw a big, talented athlete. I mean, he in this in this class, um, he would be the one that I would I would uh, label as just one of the freaks. I mean, he's a guy that shouldn't be running that fast for how big he is, and shouldn't be moving the way he is. And and I think his athleticism is as well as uh, what he brings to the table is going to be be good for us. It's uh, you know normally in the normal walk of life, it's not good to be called a freak, but uh, in this sense, it's fantastic. Sure. So uh, yeah, John Nelson, one of the freaks. Uh, <laughs> says. The freaks come out at night. Yeah, if it's like a psych counselor, that's not the one you want labeling you that. You know, but football coach, fantastic. Okay, we were talking about legacy families. How about this? Preston Rex, hey, six hey. feet, one hundred eighty-seven pounds, defensive back out of San Clemente, California. Son of Byron Rex, former All-American tight end at BYU, brother to Isaac. Although he's much shorter than Isaac, Preston enjoys contact. Physical, tough, reliable guy. He excelled as a safety his senior year of high school, and BYU wanted him to play safety. They told him, "Okay, play that. Focus on that in high school." And he was a stud. Uh, clearly, the Cougars really excited about him. Strong personality, like his dad he's built to be a leader and he was recruited by the military academies which tells me one thing jerem he's a doer he's a do i'm air force army navy they all wanted this guy he chose byu here is preston rex in the words of secondary coach preston hadley uh preston uh he brings a lot of physicality which is something we're high on here at byu uh he's a natural leader he you you as you you know, as you get to know him and talk to his high school coaches, you know, they, they rave about him, about what he does for the team, uh, not just on the field, but off the field. Uh, BYU family, you know, he's all in for BYU, and he's been a great advocate for the program already in, in helping uh, sign other players already in his class. So really excited to have him, uh, natural playmaking ability. Um, he's just everything that we want in a safety here at BYU. Preston Rex. Come on down. Love it. Yeah, Isaac already on the team, right? Um, so, yeah, those guys could play a year or two together, it looks like. Awesome. Ty Burke, defensive back next up. 6'1", 175 out of Syracuse, Utah. Fast, mission first guy to uh, track scholarship offer to Weber State. Again, Preston Hadley on Ty Burke. So, Ty, he's a great combination of size and speed. Currently ranked as the number one uh, athlete in the in the state right now at the 100-meter <laughs> dash. Um so we're really excited about just his potential and what he brings. I believe he had track offers already. Uh, same thing, another kid who grew up loving BRU, in-state kid, which uh, we love here. And uh, we're, we're just really excited to have him. I mean, he could even be a receiver if needed, but right now we, we like him at safety, great ball skills, and a really versatile athlete. I love those words, track guy, because that means speed, coordination, good footwork. I like all of that. Yeah, and multi-sports, always good, right? Um, always always encouraged, in my opinion, to play mul- multiple sports. And, yeah, track is all about speed. 
in terms of the running element of them. Yeah. Up next, another linebacker and another legacy name. Yes, another Kafusi right. will be at BYU. Ace Kafusi. How about that name? 6'2", 210 pounds, choosing between BYU and Utah primarily, obviously going with the stretch Y. He is a potential linebacker. They, they could move him to some other places, Jerem, but another Kafusi is back. Ed Lamb on the latest of the Kafusis. Really excited about uh, about Ace as well. Ace is probably has the most development potential. He's a, on the light side right now at 190 pounds, full 6'3", 6'4", and um, has a big frame with a lot of room to grow. Very athletic, plays offense, defense, kicking game, plays in the defensive backfield, up front on the line of scrimmage, does a lot for his team, and uh, just one of the most positive uh, attitude guys that I've been around. Now, what's interesting about these developmental players is this is where coaching becomes such an important and significant part of where these guys go. I mean, that, there's a lot of pressure. You've got to put them in the right place to be successful, and that's on the coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hardly any of these guys are ready to come in and play right away and have a major impact, right? Uh, physically, they need to develop. The number one coach they get to is the strength and conditioning coach. Amen to that. Okay, we move on with Dean Jones. And Dean Jones at defensive back, six foot two inches, 190 pounds, out of Phoenix, Arizona, North Canyon High School product. Preston Hadley, once again, on another addition to his defensive back room. Uh, Dean Jones, a lot of length, a lot of speed. Natural playmaking ability. He could line up at corner or at safety. You know, when he gets here, we, you know, we'll we'll figure that out. Um, another kid, you know, coming from Arizona, uh, super competitive player. Love that about him, and just a great human. I mean, really, really cerebral, really smart. Okay, when he says a great human being, uh, there's there's not a better compliment than that. Okay, good student, I smart, smart kid. That's great. I want him, want to, him to produce on the play. Yeah, I want him. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, if he's a mean sucker, whatever, man. Yeah. Next up, Petey Tui Pelotu, athlete, six three one ninety. Another it's, legacy it's, name, it's right? It's the theme of the day. Peter's son, uh, brothers Ben and Hank are on the team. Ben's getting back from mission. Hank is recovering from a knee surgery. Uh, tight end, Fort Mills, South Carolina, three star, forty seven catches, eight hundred thirty two yards, ten touchdowns last year, but also. 66 tackles, 7 tackles for loss. So, athlete, they're going to figure out where he fits best. Obviously, a son of Peter who played here from 88 to 91. Uh, here's the star of BYU Sports Nation, Preston Hadley on uh, PD2 Ebolojo. <laughs> a lot of length, a lot of physicality. Uh, he has the ability to play multiple positions as well. He did it in high school, which you'll see on his film. Um, again, he's another guy. He's going to come in immediately, which we see him having the ability to contribute immediately. And uh, really excited about him. How cool is it that all three brothers could be on the field at some point this season? Hank, Ben, and Petey could all be playing this year for BYU. Is Petey not uh, mission first? He will play one year oh, play and one then year. go on a mission. Cool. So all three bros. That's wild. I mean, his parents are buying a place in Utah probably so that they can come watch all three of their kids play and keep them at home in South Carolina. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, back to the offensive side of the ball for a name that just came in. Uh, Koa Eldridge, wide receiver, six foot 190 out of Honolulu, Punahou, uh, planning on playing baseball as well. So Jaron Hall, uh, meet your new homie, Koa Eldridge. Uh, played in a lot of big games, uh, mission first guy. And uh, here's uh, someone not named Preston Hadley. His name's Fessy Sitake on Koa Eldridge. Koa Eldridge, I think, is <clears throat> he uh, defines kind of what a BYU guy is. Um, just 
great work ethic, a very humble kid. He's got, you know, he's great with his academics, very driven young man. Um, and he's another one that's just produced uh, at a very um, prestigious high school, private high school, Punahou in Hawaii, who's produced a lot of good players. Um, the way he's just been able to just go to work and, and um, be, be a leader on his team, I think it gets me really excited. And I think he's going to bring that same um, drive and work ethic and leadership uh, here uh, when he's able to join us after his mission. So a couple years away, but Cole Eldridge, another uh, receiver, this time from Punho. I just saw that stadium, and I had some bad memories come back from the bowl game. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Thanks in large part to our next guest, Abby Miner, four-time reigning Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Gymnast of the Week. We're we're making you our BYU Sports Nation Gymnast of the Month, okay? Yeah, that's an official thing we just decided. After four weeks in a row, welcome to Studio B. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Now, now, I I do want to preface this. So normally an athlete comes in, maybe the sports information director accompanies them or something, but one of your teammates has, and she's – Sort of distracting you. Um, <laughs> Shannon Evans is here, and she's sitting like in a like awkward spot, just right in front of the desk here. Well, what do you think about this? Yeah, no, you support each other. It's like when you're yeah. doing the floor routine. You're, you're dancing together, like, doing the interview you, together. When you do an interview, I don't sit right by you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. but Shannon's a good teammate, a good friend. Like, explain the relationship here. Uh, actually. When we first met each other, we hated each other. But wow, only for why? like, <laughs> I don't know. We just like weren't the same. Competitive? Yeah, probably. Okay. But then after like a year, we just decided that we wanted to be friends and literally have been best friends for like 10 years. So. <laughs> for 10 years? So yeah. when did you meet? Um, like, How old were you? Ago, when Chan was you can 10. Speak if you'd like okay, so you hated her when you were 10 years 10? old. I was a little worried like this happened when you got to BYU no, and you were yeah, like, we, we hated just... each other at BYU. You know what? It was four <laughs> months ago and she's the worst. And but now we've worked it out. Yeah, no. That's awesome. So, yeah, we've been friends for a long time. That's great. Abby Miner with us on BYU and Sports Station and Shannon Evans in Studio B as well. All American. Hey, are you aware of the Gymternet phenomenon that is happening on Twitter and Instagram? No. Okay. Well, I don't have a Twitter. Let me inform you. <laughs> There is something that is liter- it's literally called the gym internet. The gym internet. You-, you know what fantasy football is, right? Yeah. Okay? They do this with collegiate gymnastics. They pick high-level gymnasts from each school and like put together these fantasy gymnastics teams. Wait, is Abby involved? To compete. And Abby is a popular pick, as is Shannon Evans. Okay. So whenever I announce <laughs> Shannon Evans is only competing in one event or Abby Miner is going to compete in three events, I'll see these tweets start to flow in like, oh, man. I, I hate this. <laughs> Why can't they all just be healthy all the time? Okay, so awesome. you got some, how, you, how do you handle the pressure of working for the Gymternet and your fantasy <laughs> gymnastics fans? Um, well, I, I guess I didn't know it existed, so I guess it's not like a ton of pressure, but, <laughs> but it's Maybe more just like... one minute since you learned that? Uh, yeah, There's that's no a lot of pressure now, tonight. No. But no, um, I think pressure-wise, it's just like making sure that I'm doing the best for the team. Like, we do pressure sets all the time in gym, so it's just doing the exact same thing when we're competing. In all seriousness, this is such a, a niche sport. We have viewers literally all over the world that just love the sport. It doesn't matter who's competing, um, and it, it is really unique. It's cool to see kind of the world soak in gymnastics wherever they are, New Zealand, Australia, Europe, and, of course, all over the country. You've, you've won the all-around four weeks in a row um, and kind of come on the scene here. Um, 
is it was this a goal to kind of get to this level before the season, or are you ahead of schedule here? Um, I definitely made it a goal to do all around this year because when I first moved to college, I didn't think that I'd ever compete all around just because I was recruited for pretty much everything but bars. But I just kind of figured I wouldn't ever get in lineup. But then after like sophomore year, I got a new routine. I was like, oh, maybe like I'm gonna try. And then this summer. I would do routines over and over again. And I was like, hey, I think I'm good enough. Like, I, I really want to be able to make a lineup this year. And then it's been going pretty well. So Pretty well is an understatement. <laughs> um, but when you first won, when you won the all-around the first time, what, what was that moment like? And then week two, three, four now. Uh, the first time I actually had no idea because we were going against Nebraska. And our team did, like, pretty well. We didn't score as well as we thought. But they have a girl at their – on their team that's, like, really good. So I just kind of figured that she would win the all-around. And then I had a pretty decent meet. Um, you put up a personal best at the time, so, yeah, yeah pretty decent. <laughs> decent. But then one of our social media people came up after and was like, hey, how does it feel to win? And I was like, oh, I didn't know I won. Like, that's super cool. So I think after that it just kind of, like, gave me a little bit of confidence that I, I can do it. And then each week it's just trying to, like, improve on each event and make sure that I don't just plateau. Abby Miner, not to be confused with Abby Staten or Abby Bowden on BYU Gymnastics. <laughs> all the, the Abbeys. They're, they're all over the place, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Which event do you feel most confident in right now? Um, probably floor. I think it's my, definitely been my most consistent since freshman year. But surprisingly, beam as well. We've really grown like as a beam team, and I – feel like our coach has a lot of trust in us, and so that makes me feel like very confident in my abilities and that I'm able to like hit every single time I get up on the beam. Are you better than Sh- Shannon Evans at gymnastics? <laughs> no, I am not. Shannon's better? <laughs> Shannon's pretty good, right? I think we're definitely like – we're just a lot different. Like we both have our strengths, yeah. but at the same time, like – we just kind of like compliment one another in gym. We're just different styles. Yeah, Shannon quickly said, she's better. And I said, no, 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 she's better. Hey, good teammates. That's what my sister and I got all the time. You're opposite of better events. Yeah, I agree. And, and that matters, right? You need to have uh, a good team score as well. At the end of the day, it's, it's unique because it's an individual and a team event. Yeah. So how do you uh, kind of thrive in that situation where you go, I want you to do well and I want to do well as well. And then we get that team score at the end. And you guys yeah. have been crushing it lately. Yeah, I think that's definitely something we talk about a lot during preseason is like this is an individual sport and like especially in club, it's a lot more individualized rather than college because you do get a club team score, but it's just not as important. Like you're more important as an individual. But here it's just kind of like if you do good, that's cool. But like no one really cares at the same time, like good job and good for you. But at the same time, like people recognize the BYU gymnastics team, not just Abby Miner or Shannon Evans or like certain people. So I think it's just important to remember that like you do your job and then if everyone on the team does their job, then like that benefits the team score. Shannon is a sister of sorts on the team, but you have an actual sister as well. Your little sister Sadie competes Mm -hmm. with you. What's that like to have that sister dynamic literally on the team? It's so fun. Uh, she actually told me, she's like, they're going to ask you about your sister on the team. And I was like, yep, everyone does. But it's been a lot of fun. We are very similar gymnastics-wise and personality-wise. So I pretty much – and I live with her. She's my roommate. So we see a lot of each other all the time. <laughs> but it's pretty good. We've been friends, like, our whole life, and we don't really fight that often. And if we do, we get over it in, like, five seconds. So 
Do you it's fight with fun. Shannon more or your sister? Oh, definitely my sister. Your sister? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have a silver medalist uh, in the Olympics f- f- of a head coach. Yeah. How, does that lend credibility to what he does? Does Does he ever show it? Does he ever reference that? Uh, yeah, actually. Card very much likes to talk about how he was an Olympian. But Are you guys like, yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> but, no, he's awesome. It was a little bit different for him because he's only coached men's gymnastics before coming here. Mm. And so I think it took him a while to adjust because at first – he just figured that it was the exact same, but I think he's realized now that like men and women are very different styles and different types of gymnasts. So I think he's had to learn a lot. But And, and we've seen the program grow the last several years. Yeah. You guys are in the best place you've been in a long time. Yeah, I agree. It's been good, and I think the other two coaches help a lot. They work really well with each of us and with him and making sure that we get the right assignments and make sure that we're actually doing well as a team. Yeah, shout out to uh, Brogan Evanson and mm-hmm. uh, Natalie Brookman yeah. as well. Who's your favorite coach? Just kidding. Don't answer. Don't, don't answer that question. <laughs> don't, answer. <laughs> don't answer that one. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the meet tonight. Um, and as you continue on uh, taking that next step and, and trying to get to nationals, I, I know that's a big one in your mind. So yeah. congratulations on the hard work thus far and good luck. Thank you. Let's get your signature since this is your first time. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Shannon's signature on there. Do you mind signing this flag? Sure. Okay, awesome. Abby Miner. She's won the yeah, all-around four weeks in a row. Abby, just sign your amazing. last name so we know which Abby it is. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> she said Not only the last name? No, no, yeah. both names. Yeah, first and last. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Now it's time for the defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, to sound off on his most recent group of signees. Coach, welcome. Great to have you with us. Okay, a lot of defensive guys come in. You look at this group, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Length and speed, that's always, that's always been the goal, and, it's, uh, and I think it'll always be a deal when you're talking about getting kids that you can develop and kids that will come in and fill in, uh, especially after missions. I mean, that's, that's always going to be uh, important to us in, in our classes. What was a uh, targeted need or needs in this class for you? You know, I think, I think um, you know, it, it always – you, you, the way that we allocate our scholarships and the way that it, it goes, you're always going to have a couple of DBs in your class. You're always going to have a couple of D linemen, and, and backers really um, – are just are just the ones that are are a little bit more. There's a little bit more of them out there as far as us being able to get them. And so we'll, you know, as Coach Sidaka said in the past, we'd never never turn down a, a great player. And there's some kids that we ended up, um, you know, ended up getting late that we thought were going kids that would come in and be difference makers in our program before or after the mission. And and uh, so not really a need as far as just what we're going for is just kind of filling in some of the spots of uh, of kids coming and bringing in kids that we can develop. Um, and uh, moving forward with it. Getting those guys late, you mentioned. Who are some of those guys? You know, Bo- Bodie was, mm-hmm. was a guy that, uh, you know, obviously was committed to us earlier and, and uh, wanted to make sure that it was the right place for us, and we wanted to make, make sure that that was the right decision for him as well. And getting him always thought uh, way back then when we offered him the first time that he was a difference maker as well as Tate Romney. I mean, those, those guys I think are, are difference makers and just their abilities and their length and physicality and the way they play. We we showed a picture of uh, Bodie Schoonover, uh, <laughs> and and he had on the tan and the 
the navy. It's just it's just the worst color scheme we've had. You know what I mean? But he still had that on as a kid. He's a lifelong he was, BYU fan. He was gonna be here, so way to lock that up. <laughs> oh, Look at there this picture. it is. Like there it like is. that that jersey is the worst jersey outside yeah. of the bibs. Sorry, Kalani. Well, in more, BYU history. More importantly, that's that's uh, that's concussion waiting to happen. We've got to make <laughs> sure that we shore up that helmet and <laughs> yeah, get things exactly. strapped on the right way. Certainly, he'll get a, a helmet that fits. Yeah. <laughs> What guys in this defensive group do you see contributing right away? You know, uh, I, I, the, the, the defensive backs, the, the, the safeties and the corners that come in, I think those guys are a little bit more uh, ready physically than some of the other guys coming in. You know, obviously linebackers, but we've got a lot. We played with a lot of young linebackers, and so um, bringing guys in that will continue to develop, I think they'll have to uh, earn their place on the team as, as well as just on the field. And there's a lot of good backers that we bring back. But uh, in the defensive backfield, um, it's always going to be good competition there. I want those guys to push each other. Um, At the defensive line spot, sometimes it takes a little bit of time just to get caught up with all the other guys that have been been lifting and and training and and doing that. And so physically, I think defensive line takes a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, certainly in, in the backfield, with our, our corners and our safeties, hoping that some of those guys come in. I mean, Miles Davis is a guy that may be one of the fastest guys that we've ever we've ever signed as a as a as an athlete, right? Receiver DB, and he's gonna end, you know this this spring and track is probably gonna end up being a sub forty seven, uh, four hundred meter guy, like just Whoa. really really explosive, strong strong athlete. Could he play both sides of the ball? He can. He can. Now we've heard this with Troy Warner, you know, but like when's someone actually gonna do it? You know what I'm saying? I, I think it, it's got to it be the, Davis. We will see. We'll see. You know, <laughs> he he's got the capability. And there's there's guys on the team now that have that have uh, been recruited as athletes um, that have the capability. But you know, with the complexity of schemes at this level, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Um, you know, Kalani coached somebody at Utah that you know played in the league for a long time that played both sides and was was really good. And, and it didn't happen for him until later in his career. I think when he just completely understood the defense, spent more time in practice on offense. But Eric Weddle? Uh, is that, yeah, yeah. Is he is he still playing? Did uh, you just retire him on accident? I don't know if he's playing. Is he retired? He's still playing, right? He's still playing. He's still playing. Yeah, yeah. He's still playing. No, I, don't I, I apologize, him, man. man. I apologize. <laughs> hey, and you've had some defensive guys play both sides. Kyrus Tonga, Diane Gawoliku, right? You know, yeah. you know, a couple guys with yeah, touchdowns. Sure. Okay. You know, you're right. You know, give credit where credit's due. And you bring up a great point. Which position is the most ready for, say, a freshman to come in and play right away? Like a JC guy, I would assume any position, right? Yeah. But a yeah. freshman. I, I, you know, I would, I would probably think corner spot, just mm. especially if you're playing a lot of man and that's kind of your deal. It's like, okay, you're, you're long enough, you're fast enough. Um, you know, getting the schemes is, is always the thing is kind of you know, whether, whether or not he uh, is able to get it. But, but that's normally the spot there. You see a lot of guys, young guys come in and, and, and you've really seen us for the last four years kind of take lumps with some of the young guys. But then um, those guys, you know, the things pay, pays dividends when they end up playing a little bit later. So Isaiah Heron, for instance, right, or mm-hmm. uh, some, sometimes he, he looked uh, really seasoned, sometimes still looked like a freshman. But we feel, we feel this year that uh, – He's a lot farther ahead at this point in his career than Chris Wilcox was, and Chris Wilcox is is the man in that room. And yeah. so we want to continue to develop guys that way and just, just keep moving them uh, in that direction. We're going to ask Kalani about this as well, but we've spent a lot of time talking about legacy families. Peely, Rex, Kafusi, Tui Pelotu, Wilson. Romney. Romney. What, what is it about that connection in BYU with, with this year specifically, bringing in all these legacy kids? You know, I think it's just uh, – 
I don't know if it's a, okay. So when you're talking about uh, the Peelies and the Kafusis defensively, we uh, we made the comment and we kind of made the decision back then. We were like, hey, new recruiting philosophy. Recruit Peelies and recruit Gofusis. That's just, okay, if their last name is <laughs> that, go easier. get them. Yeah. 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 But then some of these other guys, they just come from phenomenal families. They come from talented families, and, and uh, we're lucky enough to, to be able to get some of those guys that have, that have all ended up here, you know, and, and uh, that's, I think it's a cool thing. It's the same thing with, with Coach Hitaka and his little brother TJ that played here. Um, I think, you know, you get a great athlete that, that, that comes in and, and uh, does his deal and fits in and, and knows the in and outs of the program. It's easier for them to sell to their younger siblings when they end up coming in and you just end up getting a big BYU family that way. Coach, busy day. Uh, we know that you, you have a lot to do. Congratulations on uh, a very, very intense and passionate recruiting time period and con- congratulations on the signees. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, C. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. One of the bigger offseason storylines for BYU football, not surprisingly, the announcement that Matt Bushman would return for his senior season and play tight end once again for BYU. Thank goodness. Along with Kairos Tonga on the defensive line. Both of those guys showed up at halftime of the St. Mary's game, gave a shout-out to BYU fans and said, hey, we're back. Uh, they shouted out the recruits that were there, said, we need them. It was, it was a cool moment. Good to have those guys back, especially Bushman as a very, very – potent offensive weapon for what we hope is a healthy Zach Wilson. So it is time with that in mind to take a look back and a look ahead at the BYU tight ends presented by Tim Daly Nissan. Jerem, we know that BYU has Matt Bushman, but what else is there besides Matt Bushman? If Matt Bushman didn't come back, BYU would be toast at tight end in terms of experience, not in terms of potential talent. Um, Let's talk about it. So some of the guys in the mix. Hank Tuipolotu was going to have an impact on this season, but he sustained a second season-ending injury to his knee. I can't remember if it's the same knee or a different knee. And he was having a nice camp. Yes, he had a great catch over the middle that was featured in some videos. People got excited. So hopefully he's back. Haven't heard the latest on his recovery, but let's hope he's back. Isaac Rex is a guy who had a 23-yard catch uh, this season, redshirted in the process. Byron's son, a guy that is a big, tall, fast option at tight end as well. Mason Wake played a lot. He played in 12 games, a kind of a fullback tight end hybrid, never caught a pass or rushed the ball, but he was a guy in the mix. And there's that catch by Hank Tuipoloto I was talking about. Carter Wheat had a catch. He was a a uh, guy that had put up some really good stats out of Arizona, redshirted as well. Bentley Hanshaw will be back from a mission. Nate Heaps was a walk-on who uh, BYU thought might do something but had a season-ending injury as well. Lemme Pilimai uh, was on the scout squad. So BYU is not, um, doesn't have a, a dearth of this position. In fact, they almost have too many guys, which is a great problem. But this is a position that BYU can recruit. The question isn't whether Matt Bushman will be awesome. He will. It's a question of who else will join him in this. And I think BYU's got some good talent. I look forward to a guy like Isaac Rex or Hank Tuipolo to, to be the next guy. And we're talking about a guy in Matt Bushman that has led BYU in receiving yards in each of his first three seasons. That is crazy tough to do as a tight end. Yeah, wild. And his season this last year was really good. Uh, 47 for 688 and 4. He needs to get that touchdown mark up higher. I would love for him to have 60-plus catches. 
Um, but he could be a Mackey finalist if he's a 60, 600, and 6-plus guy. Like, he's going to be at least a semifinalist, in my opinion, if he does that uh, kind of thing. What's the game where he was targeted the most? We're looking at it. Boise State. He had two touchdown catches on the trick plays. Find Matt Bushman and beat good teams. I don't think that's uh, an anomaly. I think that's uh, straight cash, homie. <laughs> I, against Liberty, Matt Bushman with the great catch on the trick play touchdown. Like, find this man! Three of his touchdowns were on find this guy. gimmick plays, right? Yes, Gregor Bell says, find his guy! Yes. It is, no, such, an advantage. Right. It is such an advantage for BYU to have Matt Bushman back. Because you're right, if he didn't come back... Who knows what to oh. expect at tight end? It'd be like, who does BYU who have knows? again? And because yeah. Dallin Holker is still a year away from returning. Yes. So the thought of Matt Bushman being back and then Dallin Holker comes back to join Tui Pelotu and Rex and Carter Wheat and all those other guys makes me feel a lot better about the, sol- yeah, the solidarity of that group moving forward. Bushman coming back, pff, huge, yes. huge for BYU. I'm not nervous about this position at all. Who was it? Brady Papinga a few years ago said, BYU can recruit the intermountain, <laughs> like, mountain man. Like, the linebackers, the O-line, and the tight end. Yes. Those are the positions that BYU can recruit the easiest. BYU always gets a good quarterback, I think, as well. That's not um, a concern. BYU has three they really like that won games this last year, right, on Scali. Now, Soljay Mayava comes in, dual threat out of Hawaii. Excited about him. There's, this is not a position where I'm nervous. I'm excited. And Steve Clark's the position coach. And he does a really nice job with these guys. Let us join with Jeff Grimes in saying thank you, Matt Bushman, for making a mature decision. Yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, man. That wraps up our look at back and look ahead at the BYU tight ends. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Holy cow. Um, The weekend is a lot to soak in for BYU athletics. Let's just go chronologically, shall we? Okay. We shall. Okay. Okay. Friday night, you call undefeated BYU and then undefeated UC Santa Barbara. Top three matchup. BYU and Gabby Garcia Fernandez play out of their minds. Four set win. They win in four sets. Gabby's amazing. Victory. Then to Saturday, just prior to BYU and St. Mary's men's basketball, you call the second match. It goes five long sets. Yes. Davide Gardini has one of the more incredible highlights I've ever seen in volleyball. Yeah. Yeah, a behind-the-head kill. It was. Like, what? It was gnarly, yeah. Incredible. BYU holds on, and then comes St. Mary's and BYU basketball back and forth. Two what of the best shooting game. teams in the country. It was an offensive display. Both shot over 50%. Yeah. And T.J. Haas hits his second huge game-winning shot of his senior season, then leaves directly from the Marriott Center to go to the hospital for he and his wife Lauren to have a baby. Unbelievable story. <laughs> like, what a story for T.J. Haas. The ginger mamba. <laughs> it's amazing. Then Super Bowl Sunday gives us Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers. Keep the block hot against Andy Reid, the good guy in the NFL, and Dirty Dan Daniel Sorensen, and the Kansas City Chiefs, they win the Super Bowl 31-20. Apparently the Chiefs just need to trail by 10, and then they'll start yeah, playing the with urgency. If they trail by at least 10, they'll win the game. The Chiefs win their first yeah. Super Bowl in 50 years. Andy Reid gets his Super Bowl moment and his win. There's so many good things that happened for BYU Athletics over the weekend. Jaron, what was your favorite Cougar-centric sports moment 
of this winning weekend? Oh, gosh, there were so many, but it starts with T.J. Haas. I mean, the fact that not only BYU wins, but they win dramatically. Great crowd, great effort. Everyone was invested in that. I just really loved the emotional and physical investment from Cougar Nation into the St. Mary's game. That felt like a huge game, and it was. And BYU won on a dramatic shot again by T.J. Haas. Then he goes to the hospital and has Tyson Ralph Haas. Tyson is TJ's first name. Ralph is his paternal grandfather, um, who we've gotten to know uh, over the years. And, uh, yeah, what a weekend. So there was a chance that maybe he didn't play in that game, right? Like if uh, his wife Lauren goes to the hospital, luckily the timing worked out because obviously it was not their intent to have a baby during the season and, you know, St. Mary's uh, game, but it all worked out luckily. And we'll see how that affects TJ, you know, going in at Portland if he even goes to the game, whatnot. Um, we'll, we'll see. But a huge shot. Uh, and Cougar Nation celebrates. I, I actually, normally I'd go to the, the game. So after the match, I felt horrible all weekend. Yeah, and props I to was, you for playing sick, man. It's, everyone played, you know, well. Um, but I, I went home because I just felt bad, and I just watched on TV. Man, I missed the best in-game experience I could have, but I just felt off. Anyway. TJ hits a great shot. But then there's Andy Reid. Andy Reid winning a Super Bowl was such an awesome experience for everyone connected with Andy Reid in any way. Like, even Magic Johnson tweeted about Andy Reid this week. LeBron James sends out a tweet about how happy he is for the big guy Andy Reid. Like, everyone loves Andy Reid. And uh, we got to meet him, you know, a couple years ago when he came in. And I know you've gone to some Chiefs games since, including this year in Denver. Just what a good dude. What a good rep of BYU. And on ESPN, he's talking about, how about them Cougs? Dirty Dan. You know, so talking cool. with Steve Young. It's just, it's just really cool. And just PSA, he's not going to come to BYU and be the head coach. Okay, Can we just <laughs> stop with that? I know it's a joke. For some of you, it's real. It's not real. It might have been real in 2000, but it's not 2000. Yeah, now Andy Reid is a Super Bowl winning yeah, coach. Now, yeah, now he's going to take a, a pay cut of That's like, making like $7 million six a year. times fewer. Holy cow. Fewer. As much joy as I saw in Andy Reid's face and the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and there was a lot of it. I mean, it was a feel-good moment for sure. Saturday night in the Marriott Center reminded me of how great the BYU basketball universe can be. When there's a packed Marriott Center, BYU's in the tournament conversation. They win a game. It was, and Mitch Harper, our friend uh, that works at KSL and has covered BYU for a long time, he said it, it, it was an inkling of the Jimmer era, just for a moment, just that that feel of a huge game hitting a big shot late and then the celebration after. BYU did themselves a lot of favors, and there were so many different things that I witnessed within that game on Saturday night. It's hard for me to pick one aside from the shot that TJ TJ Haas puts up. How about the guts to do that, Jerem? It's a one-point game. You just need a two-pointer. By the way, Yoli Child is going to get that rebound. If it comes off, he's got a great jump on the ball. Yeah, he's he's in position. Yeah, I've got a new St. Mary's face has nothing to do with me. It's T.J. Haas. Yeah. And his mean mug. Yeah. Okay, that's the new St. Mary's face. And the Delavadova gnome lives on, Jerem, because so it's good luck then. Ever since we got this, BYU has beaten St. Mary's in Provo twice. Okay, we'll keep it then, I guess. We kind of hide it, but yeah. Alex Jensen said after the game, if you harm a head on that gnome's uh, a hair? Hair, yeah. Hair like, on, that, on, that gnome, on that gnome's head. Is it a Russian doll? Then there are going to be serious consequences. Yeah.
Um, but just so many great things. Uh, I talked to Tyler Haas after the game, and he's like, I felt like I just played a game. <laughs> he's like tired, sweaty. Yeah, what? A, and, and like Tyler hit a big shot before the Dell of a Dagger. Uh, who tweeted it? Was it Post Jimmer? Said, no, this is the Daddy Dagger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to exercise the demons of that moment. Absolutely. No, it had to, and it had to be a Haas. You're right. Exercising the be, demons is the TJ. right phrase. It wasn't a, we'll talk to Jay Toulson coming up. It wasn't going to be Jake because of his ankle. It was always going to be TJ, especially after the Houston shot, right? And we'll discuss another day which one was better. Now, I Two watched. Great shots. I was sitting somewhat close to Randy Bennett during the game, so I was watching. I always get a kick out of Randy Bennett because, yeah. he, one, he's a great coach. And he consistently brings a great team to Pro Bowl. He had no answer for TJ Haas, and he knew it. Um, there were a couple of times. Once he didn't form Malik Fitz, but they fouled him out. Yes. That was, yes. And, and the TJ, brilliance of TJ, TJ Haas. Haas. That fake finally I got know. somebody. I know. Okay, so Randy Bennett gives TJ Haas a few options during the game. And uh, there's a specific moment late in the game where TJ goes off of a high screen and Yoli rolls to the hoop. BYU, I think, was down four, and TJ throws Yoli Childs a lob, and he's fouled on it. Yes. So Randy Bennett had switched up the defense to give TJ only that look, hoping that TJ would kind of get rushed into a shot or be hurried and not look to lob to Yoli. But, of course, he makes the right decision, and Randy Bennett turns around and goes, he's too smart! He looks at his assistant and says, he's too smart! (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Oh, great, great, great great stuff. Um, And TJ nailed a couple mid-range late. Yes. Right? Yes. Which BYU had kind of gone away from, but... Against St. Mary's, you got to take the buckets where they are. Oh, underrated plays and players in the game. Connor Harding was outstanding. Oh, defensively, he forces a steal late that gets BYU the ball, right? Um, to set up the game winner. So that was incredible. Just Zach Selyus on the, on the last play. Uh, Jordan Ford misses a runner. I mean, lucky that he misses a runner. Otherwise, we're going to OT probably. But Zach Selyus gets the block. Yeah. I mean, everyone, Mark Pope's talked about this the great culture, the great locker room. It took everyone doing little things. It took Jake Toulson saying, you know what, i got to go back into this game. And I'm going to go 3 of 11 and have 8 points, but I'm going to have 8 assists. Whew. And Zach Selyus having 7 rebounds. And Connor Harding playing excellent defense. Connor Harding has become the Charles Abuo of this group, if you will, from Jimmer's senior year, um, 2011. All the role players matter. Later we're going to see Alex Barcelo and Connor Harding and others become like more than what we see now. But on this team, with this group, with these seniors, with this big three, they have a certain role to play, and they are playing it. And look at BYU succeed. Look at BYU and Goodman's top 25. Uh, look at BYU and Andy Katz's top 36. Like That's because Connor Harding says, you know what, I don't need to get mine. I'm just going to be – I'm going to hit a three when I'm open, I'm going to play defense. And Zach Selyus, I'm not the 50% three-point shooter guy. I'm the get a stop. I'm subbed in to be a stopper. Like, yeah. like everyone has a role, and in every successful group, when everyone knows their roles, uh, their roles, and are happy and play that role, then you see success. And we're seeing that with BYU. Hoops. Yeah, Connor was playing so well that there was a moment where he came out of the game, and he literally looked at his coaches and says, "Why me? Why me?" He didn't, he didn't want to come out, and I don't blame him. He was so good. Yeah, so many just big moments in that game. Jake Toulson blocks a shot after a BYU turnover. Cougars are in danger of going down eight. Yes, and at that juncture, that's a big play. Yes. To not go down eight and then to get the layup to Yoli Childs. Yeah, absolutely. It's a four-point game, so that eight-to-four swing brings the fans and the crowd back into a huge momentum-shifting play. Uh, And you talked about some of the metrics, Jerem. 
which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's top 30 in four of the six metrics used by the NCAA Selection Committee. The high is Ken Palm at 19. BYU was actually 18. They dropped to 19 after the game. Oh, no. Uh, Sagarin, 30. BPI, 26. KPI, 45. BYU's always low on that one. Uh, net, 26. Oh, BYU is squarely in the NCAA tournament. Um, BYU probably can't afford, you know, multiple quad three losses. But at this point, BYU could afford a quad three loss, still be on the bubble. Which top 25 matters the most to you, BYU Sports Nation? <laughs> because BYU basketball sele- yeah, is floating around all of them right now. Life's and good right now. Absolutely. Life is good as a BYU basketball fan, man. Ah, Mark Pope's done it. Like, Mark Pope did it. He got this team to believe, and they won some really big games. They're coming off a huge win. they got to keep it going. A couple weeks left in the regular season. Let's go. Which TJ Haas shot was bigger? The game winner at Houston or the game winner against St. Mary's? Yes. There's really both. no wrong answer here. There is one that matters more, though, to me. <sighs> Especially with really what does. we're seeing what has happened recently. No, not, not for me. Oh, really? It's Houston. And, oh, and here's why. Okay. If, if TJ, it's the only quad one win BYU has. Okay. If BYU doesn't have a quad one win, it's really hard to argue that they are what that they should be more than just on the bubble in the NCAA tournament, right? You can't say, yeah, yeah, you have no quad one wins, but you're definitely an NCAA tournament team. What? You have to win in quad one at least once, right? And BYU got a friendly role on this one to get in. It's the only quad one win. I think it really matters. It's BYU's best win by far. And it put BYU in the tournament conversation. Maui added to this, right? And then St. Mary's adds to this. If, if TJ Haas doesn't make the shot Saturday, BYU's still in the tourney. They're just kind of on, they're on the bubble, right? Um, I think they're in, but just barely. I think the Houston shot's really big. You can't have zero quad one wins and feel uh, like you have this great argument to be in the tourney. Yeah, as it stands, they are the only quad one win. We don't know what's going to happen with Virginia Tech. We don't know what's going to happen with Utah State. We'll see where, where BYU lands, and we don't know what's going to happen against Gonzaga. But for me, the fact that TJ Haas shot a three with a one-point deficit late in the game from 25 feet away, to me, that was like a hu- I mean, huge, huge, gritty, gutty shot for him to take and make. It was a Sam Cassell moment. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, TJ Haas... The, again, you can't go wrong here because both shots were needed, but just how it happened, how how it happened and his decision. He had other options. Against Houston, it was kind of like, you got five seconds, you just got to run down the floor and chuck it up and hope it goes in. Tough shot for sure. Him deciding to take that shot and make that shot and vault now BYU into a single-digit seed category, that to me really solidified that BYU is – for real. They, they needed the win over St. Mary's so badly, and this will help BYU, I believe, ultimately get that number two seed. If BYU doesn't hit the shot against St. Mary's, the Cougars don't finish second place in the West Coast Conference, and they're playing on Saturday, and then there's another opportunity for them to have a quad three loss in Las Vegas. So, I, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. Both are needed, right? Yeah, both you, great B, shots. BYU needed both. Both great shots, right? And BYU had chances to have other moments like this, by the way but didn't make them. Boise State was one. Earlier against Houston was one. Uh, Utah on regulation was one. 
Um, so these were some big shots. BYU could have had more than this, right? It was, I guess, Jake Toulson against Boise State and Alex Barcelo against Utah. You don't make all of them, right? But it was nice that uh, Houston is a real buzzer beater as well, by the way, which is awesome. St. Mary's had a chance to tie there. You know. Yeah. No, or, ta- or take the lead if they shot a three. I mean, it, it is BYU's most quality result for sure. In terms of the shot for me, just just the way it happened, the way it looked, the moment, all that's to me it's St. Mary's. It just was I mean, the mean mug. It brought out the mean mug. It brought new St. Mary's face for me and it kept BYU in, in position to take second place in the West Coast Conference. And okay. Second place is first in this It, it feels like it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like first. Double by? I mean, other first than Gonzaga, like first. Gonzaga has dominated. We have not felt like a champion in a long Non-Gonzaga time. championship in the West Coast Conference. Yay. We're glad that a guy left from Utah and is playing football for BYU. Devontae Henry Cole, the graduate senior transfer, obviously was the headliner of this most recent signing class. If we take his name out of the scenario and look back on signing day, which of the new guys, other than Run DHC, will have the greatest impact in the upcoming BYU football season? What if I told you that BYU signed a first-team All-American receiver out of high school? Well, how'd BYU get this guy? I still don't know the answer. What if I told you there were four wide receivers on the first team for the USA Today, and two of them were going to Ohio State, one was going to Oklahoma, and then the other was this man. This man is Cody Epps. Mm-hmm. Cody Epps is the man. This guy's going to make an impact this year. 5'10", 170, first team All-American USA Today, uh, 93 catches, 1,735 yards, and 28 touchdowns. <laughs> he had a two-game stretch where he had 21 catches, 507 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Has BYU had 28 combined receiving touchdowns on the last two seasons? I don't know. <laughs> it's sad that we have to ask have that. Have they? I don't know. <laughs> other, other guys in the mix, uh, Jacques Wilson, Micah Harper, BYU has shown that in the secondary they're willing to give freshmen and uh, JC transfers an opportunity to come in right away and play. Another guy, Chris Jackson at wide receiver, potentially. But uh, Cody Epps is certainly the most heralded receiver BYU has signed in a while. I think that it will be in the receivers group led by Cody Epps just because BYU loses so much. Jeff Grimes came in here on signing day and talked to us about the three seniors and all the production that they're going to lose. Talon Shumway and Aleva Hifo and Micah Simon. And those guys did really good things and a lot of things for BYU. So there's room for some of these incoming freshmen to step in and potentially make an immediate impact led by Cody Epps. And I like the speed of Miles Davis. I, I'm just I like his name, too. Which side of the ball he's going to end up playing on because there's an argument happening right Listen, now. Listen, if he has good hands, he better play receiver, okay? <laughs> like, Kai Nuku had great hands, probably could have played receiver, too. But, yeah. Cody Epps has the potential to be, in my mind, what a Levy Heifel was when he was a freshman. An immediate guy with speed. I'm hoping he's way burst. more than that. Right, but I'm yeah. saying, like, a Levy Heifel was kind of in a class of his own in that he was a true freshman and he was able to play right away. Like There, there wasn't another guy in the receiving group like that. Co- Cody Epps has the skill set to be that guy. I still don't know how BYU got Cody Epps. I'm very excited about it, though. Modern day high I, school. I don't ask questions um, about that too hard because if BYU gets somebody who put up numbers like that, I'm like, awesome. Let's go. Get this guy the rock. Yeah, and he's a guy that steps into what I think will be the position that Micah Simon specifically played. Yeah, I don't know. Or do, or do they use him in the slot like a Levy Hefo? He's, he's 5'10", so he's probably inside. Okay, there you go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of Jake Toulson, one of the many heroes of the night for BYU basketball against St. Mary's on Saturday, he has worked his way into Studio B. Jake, welcome to the show. I appreciate Jake. it, man. Thank you. It's good to be back here. It's good to have you in here, especially given the fact that you seriously rolled your ankle, yet finished that game. So how are you doing right now? I'm doing good, you know. Uh, ankle's a little sore, but it's always good when you get the win. It makes it hurt a little bit less. When you came back into the field, or I should say the the pace of play, like the, the stadium just lit up, you know, and, and that was a big momentum boost. Why were you so adamant to get back so quickly in the game? Yeah, I just, I, I mean, as, as painful as it was and, and as hard as it was for me, um, I knew that it would be probably even harder to, to sit out and, and not be able to do anything for my team. So I wanted to just, you know, keep the tape on, tape it up even tighter, and then and go back out there and, and try to play on the adrenaline and, and not sit around and let it get all swollen and, and stuff. But I, I thought it would be... Uh, a huge, if anything, a huge uh, momentum boost for us, and I thought it was. Eight assists in the game was impressive for you, eight points. When did you realize, okay, this is a game where I'm going to set my teammates up a little bit more? Yeah, I think um, early on, you know, I had a few, and we were getting good looks, and then the injury happened, and I was like, you know, maybe maybe I'm not as uh, as uh, as able to move as I, I normally am, and so I think... I kind of just adjusted, and, and we had guys with the hot hands, so we kind of just rode that wave. Aside from the T.J. Haas shot to win the game, which was incredible, the play of the game to me was in the second half. BYU turns it over. Jordan Ford comes down the floor, shoots a layup, and you block it on your bad ankle. That results in a transition layup for Yoli Childs. So instead of being down by eight, all of a sudden you're down by four and the crowd's back in it. What happened on that play, and how were you able to do that? You know what? I think it was just kind of a bang-bang play. Uh, we turned it over, and so they had numbers coming at us, and I think it was a three-on-one. I got back, and Fitz was pushing it. Uh, I was thinking about taking a charge on him, but he gave it up early to Ford, and so um, I just, you know, I just jumped up there and got a hand on it, and then we got out in transition, got a bucket, and I feel like that was, you know, looking back, I mean, maybe in the moment I didn't feel like that was such a huge play, but looking back, I think we we really needed that because um, that that four point swing uh, was was huge. Who does that on a bad ankle, Jake? That that was like pure adrenaline. Quite a feat. Point? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, um, the doctor when I was underneath um, the in, in the training room, he was you know I was like like tape it up like I'm going like let's let's do this. He's like you're gonna pay for this tomorrow, and so um, did you? I think so, <laughs> but it was worth it, man. I, I, I'm, I'm just glad I was out there and, and able to even help the team and um, that block, you know. I don't block very many shots, so, you know, that, I felt like that was pretty cool. Well, Zach Zellius had a similar situation, too, where he blocks a shot to finish it, um, and that was awesome. I, it just felt like everyone was all in on this game. <clears throat> you guys, the staff, the crowd, describe what that felt like emotionally. Yeah, it was it – was, an amazing atmosphere. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the Marriott Center like that, maybe once or twice my freshman year. But it, it felt so good just to have that energy in the building. And we, we knew how big this game was uh, for everyone. And uh, to to win it in the fashion that we did, you know, it felt like we uh, 
it felt like we were just kind of two or three point buckets away in the second half and they kept pulling away and we couldn't close that gap. But then we got three stops in a row at the end and then TJ, he finished the deal. And I think we've had some close games this year. I think Greg Rebell said it. He said, you know, we deserved that. We deserved that one for the, you know, some of the heartbreakers we've been through this year and um, some of the close games. So I'm, I'm really happy with with the win and and so happy for everyone, not just our team, but the fans, the coaches, everyone involved. It was it was a huge one for us. BYU basketball senior guard forward, uh, bionic man Jake Toulson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Take us to the timeout before the shot from T.J. Haas. What was said by your coaches and and what was the play that was specifically drawn up? Yeah. So, I mean, our coaches, they're like, let's go. It's winning time. You know, we, we were able to get stops, and it was a one-point game. And we had run this play a few times previously, and they were having a hard time guarding it. So um, coach drew it up. It's called Pitch Wildcat. And I went – or Zach dribbled it to me, and I, I handed it off back to Tej, and then – Yo comes up and sets a screen for Tej, a high ball screen, while Yo rolls, I snap. So the defense has to choose who they're going to guard, and I don't know why the dude went under, but TJ made him pay, and the rest is history. And that's an aggressive shot in a one-point game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's quite the shot. Yeah. I thought maybe he would try to like hit Yo on the roll and let Yo you know, shoot his little shot or get fouled or something, but... When the dude goes under, you gotta you gotta make him pay, and he did in a big way. And an unbelievable story, given the fact that he goes to the hospital and then has uh, his son uh, Tyson Ralph Hawes. Tyson, his first name, Ralph, his grandpa's mm-hmm. name. Uh, uh, pretty awesome. That's, pretty awesome story. Yeah, like you you can't even write it better than that. Teej, man, I'm so happy for him and Lauren and and baby Tyce. Hopefully, um, someday this week we can go out there and, and visit him and see how he's doing, but. Yeah, so so amazing, so happy for them, and the whole game. Like even even the, the whole week leading up to this game, we got to do it for Tej, we got to do it for Tice, do it for Lauren, because it would be a miserable day in the hospital, you know, after taking a, a hard loss. But we we knew we had to get it done for TJ, and he said, "Thanks, boys, but I got this." <laughs> in the locker room, you guys uh, you guys broke a huddle. You tweeted about it, Spencer. You guys broke the huddle uh, before you hit up the rock with TJ. Yeah. And then in the locker room, it was all about TJ. Yeah. It really was a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, this is a huge time in his life. He, he just he'd, uh, hit a, a huge shot and then gets to go and experience something like that. It's, I think he'll remember that forever. Well, and you would know because you have a young son of your own in mm-hmm. Gus. And yeah. what a cute kid. So what, what have you been telling TJ as he transitions into fatherhood? Yeah, he's been asking me all the questions about, you know, fatherhood and, and balancing, you know, ball and, and, and him and sleep and, you know, all, all just the things that new, um, new parents go through. And, I, I you know, I've, I've filled him in and, and he, he's been so excited and, and um, I'm just so happy for him and, and baby Tice and Lauren and uh, hopefully he 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 gets the dad bump like some of these NBA players and some of these other basketball players get when they have a baby they just start playing out of their minds so I think that might happen for Teach too he's already playing at a high level yeah so that would be yeah he can yeah was there a chance he'd miss the game that's a great question I'm not sure I knew there I mean there was but were you guys kind of wondering yourselves uh, Saturday at all Mm, we were in. We were talking to him the whole time, and and we knew that 
you know, how Lauren was doing and how far along she was. Um, so I think there was a little bit of that, but I never felt like he wouldn't be there. She, she got induced yesterday so that Tej could be there because mm. we're heading out on the road this week. So I think they kind of controlled it a little bit. Yeah. But Lauren held off as much as yeah, she could. Yeah. So Lauren's a real MVP. She really it's your ankle, it's TJ, yeah. but it's really Lauren, right? Yeah. Well, and that's, I, that's when amazing. I when I hurt my ankle, I, I uh, after the game, I went up to Lauren and I said, "I hurt my ankle so that I could come to the hospital with you guys and be in the the room next to you guys." <laughs> it looked like I rolled it. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, you you tweeted out uh, social media moment of the night. Tell us about the tweet you sent out in case some people missed it. Oh, so yeah, I mean. A lot of people were saying that I was, you know, like Paul Pierce in, in the finals. <laughs> the drama. Exactly, back. yeah. And and so I checked my phone after the game, and my cousin Nate had sent me a, a text with my face horribly photoshopped on the Paul Pierce's <laughs> body in the wheelchair. And I was like, I think the people would appreciate this. <laughs> so I tweeted it out. And, you know, you learn from the greats. Paul Pierce, he's one of my favorite players. And he he went down, you know, did what he had to do, came back and won the game for the Celtics. And I feel like, you know, that's that's what I was striving to do. Now, Paul, what was it, last year, came out and said, oh, I just really had to use the bathroom. And I still don't know if he's kidding or not. I, yeah. I can't tell. Yeah. But you joke, yeah, I had just had to use the restroom. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, you'll never know exactly what happened, you know, when I went underneath. But whatever <laughs> happened, it was good. Came back, ready to go, yeah. It worked. Oh, it's hilarious. Jake Toulson with us on BYU Sports Nation. How do you take a win like that and – build on it because it was such an emotional high so it's hard not for there to be a little bit of an emotional letdown right and and now it's okay baby with tj and it's your ankle right yeah yeah yeah, there's 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 a lot of things going on right now but this team's uh done a a fantastic job of being able to move on whether it's from huge wins or from really hard losses just to be able to move on be locked in for the next game and and it's a new week new opportunity for us and so i think uh, we'll be up for the challenge few weeks left in the regular season. What's left for this team to do to make sure you're squarely in the NCAA tournament with the best seed possible? Yeah, I think it's just all about getting better every single day. And we've, we've said it all season long. And if, if we can get better every day and, um, you know, live in the moment, then we'll take it game by game and uh, give ourselves the best chance to, to get everything that we need this season. Jake, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for that ankle for the remainder of the season for the February frenzy, and we appreciate you coming. Thanks, guys. It's a blast being here. Thanks, Jake. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It is time, Jerem, that we once again play Dope or nope, presented by Delta Airlines, keep climbing. And to do so, because it's such an epic game title, we need to bring in Ben Bagley. Ben, what do you have for us at number one in dope or nope? Well, first, before we get to number one, it would be dope if you gave us a five-star rating. That is true. do it. That is true. Five stars. Please do that. All right, number one, dope or nope, BYU now top 30 in all but the KPI metric. On the NCAA team sheets. Uh, dope. Yeah, this is great. BYU. Who cares about KPI? I don't even know who it is or what it had. Like, it, BYU's always low in it, so I don't like it, I guess. No, it, everything. Oh, except for strength of record. Sorry. Yeah. No, all good. This is dope. Absolutely. Why not? Yes. One million percent dope. 
I love this. BYU basketball is relevant, and because yeah, of all of these all, numbers, it's awesome. It is awesome. because of these numbers. The Cougars are a number seven seed in the two projected brackets that matter most right now. Yes, courtesy of Andy Katz and Joe Lenardi. Yes, I love say, it. Say what you will about the committee; they pay attention to what those guys are doing. I have nothing doing. bad to say about them. They they pay attention to what Andy Katz and Joe Lenardi are saying, at least a little bit. I know this because we've spoken with we've spoken former members with of the selection committee. Members? Member. <laughs> number He's around. T- number two. Dope or nope, Yoli Childs ranked just outside Jeff Goodman's National Player of the Year poll of top 15 players. Nope. I don't think he's a National Player of the Year candidate. I think he's had a tremendous season, but he's just missed too many games to really be in the mix. Yeah, I, I think it's dope that Yoli Childs is even in the conversation given the struggles that he's had with his finger injury and his nine-game suspension. So it, it's, it's cool that he's even being considered for something like this. Not a surprise, though, that he's not inside the top 15. Next. Talked about it a little bit earlier today with Jonathan Tavenari, but dope or nope, Gavin Baxter leaving the door open for a return this season. I think this is dope. He's BYU's best defender uh, in terms of protecting the rim. If he could come back and be a weapon that BYU could use, albeit in limited minutes, just to defend some opposing big guys, now you're talking about BYU getting some extra possessions, limiting some against St. Mary's and Gonzaga, and having a chance on February 2nd, uh, 22nd, having more of a chance to win that semifinal. I love this idea. Dope. Yes, this is dope. And let me reference something that Mark Pope has said on several occasions. We need to rebound that basketball. Rebound this. that basketball. Oh, yeah. whoa. I did. Oh, you have a different Our clap? Was. You have a... Oh, really? Yeah. It was yours just straight, straight, straight claps? Just straight, straight claps. claps. Straight That's claps. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> this is dope because it will help BYU rebound. Next. The clapping coordination, not dope. That's a nope. Last one, dope or no, BYU men's volleyball, number one in the off-the-block media poll. Jerem Jordan throwing his weight around on that media poll. All 178 pounds of it. I feel like I had an agenda last week. (laughs) Yes, you did. On this show and during the matches, and it was that BYU is the number one team in the country. And then they backed me up by beating UCSB twice. So that certainly should be the uh, reason. But, yeah, BYU is the number one team in the country in the media poll, and they should be next week in the coaches' poll. They gained three more votes than they had last week, so it's working. Yeah, this is dope. BYU's number one. They're, I mean, it's dope that they're number two in the coaches' poll. I love that they're right. top two in both of the polls. This is outstanding. It's got to beat Hawaii B- if and when it comes Hawaii to that. Yeah, yeah, when it comes no, not to that. if. Oh, that's it's right. When. They, do. they when. play two they in Honolulu. Be Hawaii. Stand Sheriff Hawaii. Center in March. Let's go. Let Hawaii carry the target for a few more weeks. Whatever. Yeah. Beat them in March. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now in Studio B is the aforementioned Will Stanley. Straight out of Punahou High School, Hawaii, represent, man, yes, and, and you're at BYU. Mm-hmm. Why are we so lucky to pull another great volleyball star from the islands to BYU? You know, Punahou High School has just kind of been this, this breeding ground for volleyball players, and I think a bunch of people who followed, I mean, you have the Crab Brothers who are playing beach volleyball. I mean, there's just this kind of lineage of players that go to Punahou and come out, and I mean, Kanai, who's also at BYU, is a Punahou kid. Ryan Wilcox, who's at Santa Barbara, that we just played against, you know, they're all Punahou kids. 
And I feel like just this, there's this connection. You know, you say you go to Punahou and you play volleyball, and there's always somebody that knows, oh, Punahou. Like, and there are people not even from Hawaii. So I think just kind of this national powerhouse that Punahou's kind of become as the volleyball school to go to in Hawaii has made, I mean, a huge impact on people coming to college and playing D1 volleyball. Because I feel like every year they have two or three guys that come out and play either in a D1 school in the West Coast or they go to a Conference Carolina and play out there. So, I mean, I think they do a great job out there. I mean, they have great resources and Rick Toon, who's the head coach out there, really knows a lot of the college coaches and kind of gets you into the loop with people. And they have coaches coming to practice. So, I mean, it's kind of easy for us to get that exposure. We're in such a small island, it's kind of hard to get. So, Punahou helps a lot with that and just giving us everything that we need to get kind of go where we want to be in college. So why Sean Olmstead and BYU for you, given that uh, lineage and, and options for you? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of it was Sean. A lot of it was kind of BYU's volleyball you know, prominence, but also the fact that when I was here, Jalen was recruiting me, and Jalen being, I mean, a Kamehameha kid, which is our, our rival high school, but just being a Hawaii kid who's been here and played volleyball in Provo, you know, and had that experience. And for him to come and recruit me and, you know, tell me, hey, everything's, you know, nothing's going to change when you come to Provo. There's a big family aspect here. And, I mean, there's a bunch of kids from Hawaii that come here and play football and, you know, do that. And, I mean, I knew a few people coming here in my freshman year. So, I mean, that kind of Hawaii tie, I think, is what really brought me here. It was just the fact that I, I knew I could come here. Alohi was on the women's team at the time in Kiani. So, you know, there are a lot of people that I knew already and just – it kind of felt comfortable for me to come here and just, you know, and it's hard to deny BYU when you're one of the top teams in the country <laughs> and they're saying, hey, we want you to come to BYU. Like, it's one of those things where it's, it's hard to say, no, I'm, I'm all right. So I think, you know, and then coming on my visit and doing all that and with Sean and Luca and Jay just being so, you know, so welcoming to me, it was it was a pretty easy decision, I think. All right. So, well, let's not bury the lead here. I made a joke as a tease uh, a few minutes ago, like, hey, who would win an actual fight between a Cougar and a Bruin? And it was all a joke. And then when you came in the studio, we were having a conversation. That's not a crazy question. You guys as a team have been having a similar conversation apparently for a while. Will you enlighten everybody? Yeah, it was, it's funny. We were. It was something that I had someone brought up to me a while ago over the summer, and I had been thinking about it. And one day I just kind of brought it up. We were like, I think we're up for weights, and I was like, "Hey guys, who, who do you think will win in a in a fight, a gorilla or a bear?" And I feel like there's a lot of people on the bear side, but for me, I'm I'm on the gorilla side, and I think that's I'm very few people that say gorilla, but I mean. It, it, we've been having this discussion for a little bit. So. You said like five months you guys yeah. have been having this discussion. It's been, a, it's been a long discussion. You know, It goes on and off. It wavers. But, I mean, I, I can't let go of the fact that I think a gorilla is going to win. I think most of the people on my team think it's a bear, and I'm never going to let that go, and I'm going to keep bringing it up until I convince everybody that. I think we need an impromptu BYU Sports Nation poll This on needs Twitter. to be an Insta poll. Yes, without <laughs> question. It's fantastic. Will Stanley, setter for BYU men's volleyball with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you look at the rank, Rankings, number one in the media poll this week, number two in the coaches poll. You just beat a really good Santa Barbara team twice, five-set thriller. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about all of these mid-season rankings? How do you handle that as a player? You know, I mean, Sean brings it up a lot about just kind of saying, you know, like it's just these different rankings. They don't really mean too much. I mean, they do, but in reality, we want to be – playing in May and that's when the national tournament is and that's that's the biggest goal so I mean coming into the season we we knew we were going to be you know one two three kind of team but we didn't know where and Sean you know Sean always says he has a slogan and it's just nobody cares work harder and I think that's kind of what we've lived by all year it's just (laughs) it doesn't matter if we're one we're two or we're three we're still trying to work harder and get better to where we're going to be the best team in the country in May and I think 
the polls, I mean, we don't focus too much on it. We try not to. I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting debate seeing other people talk about who's better, us or Hawaii. But I think, I mean, Hawaii hasn't lost. They're a great team. And I think there's no reason for them not to be number one. But, I mean, at this point, it's just, you know, how are we going to get better? How can we be the best team we can be and be ready to go when we're trying to get a national championship in May? Nobody cares. Yeah. Work harder. I like harder. that. Yeah. How do things change? Is, is there mentally do things change for you guys now that conference play begins? Or is it, is it nothing really changes because you, you want to play at that same level regardless? You know, we do. We want to play the same level. And, I mean, conference play is always different because teams are coming in and they've had their preseason games. And, you know, the NPSF is – a pretty good conference all around and like guys want to beat each other and it's especially in conference for some reason I feel like every team plays better once they get in the conference because they know now these games matter because now you get in the conference play you get in the MPSF tournament and you get that automatic bid in April so I mean we know teams are going to come in and we have a target on our back being the number two team in the country and kind of the team to be right now that every team's going to come in and give us their best shot so we need to try and be our best and focus on ourselves so that when we're getting into these games against the UCLA or Pepperdine we're not too focused on the future and it's just we have this huge target on our back, I think, right now, and every team's going to come in, give us their best shot, and makes things around, do what they can to get us off balance, and I mean, we just have to focus on our side of the court. Setter Will Stanley on BYU Sports Nation. BYU taking on UCLA tonight, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on BYU TV with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale on the call. You talk about having that target on your back. Your family is a family that understands playing high-level volleyball with pressure. Your dad played the 1968 Olympics. Your brother Clay played in three separate Olympics, I believe. What have they taught you and on how to handle that pressure of being the team with the target on the back? You know, it's, I mean, it's funny. Like they, I've known my, my brother and my dad have played in these big games before, but in, in reality, they don't, they're more supportive just as a, you know, hey, like it's next game. They don't really give you, you know, my tips and trips. And when I, was in, when I went to the Olympics and watched my brother play, I was fortunate enough to go to all three of them and watch him play. And, I mean, just kind of being there. And I think his biggest thing was just playing his game, you know, not letting – not letting other teams dictate what you want to do. And just, you know, don't, it's every game's a game. You know, it's, it's, you're doing, getting better every game and trying to do what you can. There's no real, you know, we're not going to change something because we're the team to beat now. We're going to just do our stuff, play our game. And, you know, we'll, the wind come out sometimes and sometimes they don't, but it's just making sure we can do what we need to do. BYU versus UCLA, they're always fun. What is, what is a Cougar Bruin match like to be involved in? You know, I missed this one last year because I was hurt when they came to Provo. And that was, I told everybody else I'd give my other leg just to play in that game. Oh, you know, man. I mean, BYU-UCLA has probably been a rivalry since we started our men's program here. And I think it's been a game where, especially when they come to Provo, and we know that we're going to get a big crowd. We're going to get their best effort because they want to come here. And they have, I know, I forgot, I was like, they haven't beaten us since 2005 in the field house. So I think... In sports, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite rivalries to be a part of just because I get to be in there and, you know, the fans are cheering extra loud. UCLA is playing extra good just because they want to beat us and we want to beat them. And I feel like it's something you don't get with a lot of teams. So I think just being able to have a rivalry like that and play them every year in the field house is something that's pretty special. Yeah, in the words of the great Carl McGowan, and I paraphrase, it, it's always okay to hate UCLA no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Luca, I think Luca, before he left, made sure to know that he always hated UCLA from the day he got here to the day he left coaching, and he, he instilled that on all of us. It's just, you know, it's not, I mean, it's funny because like a lot of the guys, like Austin, he's from Hawaii. I played with him for most of, you know, in high school, I played with him club. I played against him in high school, and 
you don't want to hate these guys. Like I love these guys, but like just the fact that they go to UCLA, it's mm-hmm. kind of this thing, and you know, you're like, ah, I can't, I can't socialize with these guys while we're in season. You know? No, oh, I get it. All right, Will, uh, we appreciate you coming. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma tonight. Perfect for the UCLA match. Thank you. Um, you can share it with Jerem and Steve over at the broadcast table if you'd like as well. Will do. Has Will signed our new flag? Um, I don't. Think if you sign our new one, no, here I we go. Yes, here we, we go. Would, we would right, love for you to you sign go. the flag. Sign it anywhere you would like. Perfect. All right, Will Stanley. Outstanding senior setter for BYU men's volleyball. The Cougars still unbeaten, looking to stay that way against UCLA tonight on BYU TV. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time now for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. We are featuring the Top 5 TJ Haas moments of the season. At number 5, TJ Haas showing his creative ingenuity against Virginia Tech and Maui. Throws the inbounds pass off the defender. Give me that. Scores and one. BYU beat the Hokies by 13. TJ led all scores with 20 points. If it doesn't work, that's a terrible play. But it totally worked. Andy got an and one. Fantastic. Number four, January 16th against San Diego. TJ Haas crosses up his defender not once but twice. Behind the back. Bang. From three. BYU won 93-70. Haas had 19 points. Always crafty with the dribble. That's the biggest difference between he and Tyler. Number three, trailing late at St. Mary's. Haas again testing defenders' ankle stability with the crossover, this time finishing with one of his multiple dunks this season. This is a new trend that we love. BYU did lose in overtime, but TJ had a fantastic game, 29 points. Check those ankles. I didn't know that TJ Haas could dunk until this year. This This is awesome. Tommy Cousy, eat your heart out. You ain't Bob. You ain't Bob, that's for sure. Number two, Houston, buzzer beater. This was awesome. The friendly roll off Boing. the rim, November 15th, hugging with Mark Durand, Jason Shepard screaming, Sports Center. It was an amazing moment. And to number one, the baby shot. Tyson Hawes, this really? one's for you. TJ with ice in his veins, beats St. Mary's with just a dagger three, gives us the mean mug, the new St. Mary's face. BYU stays in contention to finish second in the West Coast Conference. He again led BYU with 23 points. An electric atmosphere at the Marriott Center. Incredible performance by TJ Haas. Yeah, that, those two shots will define his career. When we look back, we'll go, oh, man, Houston, St. Mary's. It was awesome. Hopefully we have another one down the stretch somewhere. Man, if BYU had won that game at St. Mary's, there would be three there because his crossover dunk put the game into overtime and then BYU would go on to win that. It's, it's unfortunate that BYU couldn't close the deal on yeah, that one. Yeah, you forget the means. You remember the end. Ah, it's so, so true. It's like, so true. Like, tell me the means that led up to those two plays. It's harder, right? So the, the tie would not have been it, but the dunk was awesome. All right. That's why we did the top five, so we can uh, put it on YouTube and not forget We have a jam-packed whip-around, so let's get to it. It's time for the Cougar Whip-Around. Men's basketball. The Cougar Cagers beat Portland 85-54 last night, thanks to 22 from Yoli Childs and the injured Jake Toulson, who went 6 of 8 from 3. It was BYU's fifth 30-plus, 30-point-plus win. Cougars play San Francisco at home tomorrow, 9.30 Eastern, looking to avenge a one-point loss on the Hilltop two weeks ago. 
BYU basketball remains a seven seed in Joe Lunardi's latest ESPN oh. Bracketology this morning. He has BYU in St. Louis because it's a Thursday-Saturday setup in that regional facing 10-seed Purdue. The only child is among 10 candidates for the Carmelo Power Forward of the Year Award. Horn. Childs is averaging 21 points, 9 boards a game, 8th in scoring, and 2nd in rebounding in BYU history. Volleyball. Number 2, BYU remains unbeaten now 11-0 after sweeping 7th-ranked UCLA last night. First Federation win of the season. Opposite hitter, Gabi Garcia-Fernandez led the team with 13 kills, 3 aces. Outside, Davide Gardini had 11 kills and 3 blocks. BYU in Provo tomorrow night, part of that Super Saturday when they host 8th-ranked Pepperdine at 7 Eastern. Gymnastics. Number 16, Brigham Young University Gymnastics hosts Sacramento State tonight, 9 Eastern on BYU TV. The Cougars have put up a 196-plus in the last two meets. Softball. BYU softball opens the season with two wins, a one nothing hard-fought victory over George Washington, and then no hours later Washington. beat Nevada 6-1 to in the first day of the Puerto Vallarta College Challenge in Mexico. Life is good for BYU softball. Yeah. Listen to this. Freshman first baseman Hunter Ava led the team in back-to-back wins. She had the walk-off single RBI to beat George Washington, and then she hit her first career home run at BYU, a three-run shot to blow things open against Nevada. Hold on, and it's Hunter T-Y-R. Yes. That's fun. It's a Utah name, right? Is it? It is. Nice. <laughs> Straight out of Rose Park. What's up, Tony Finau? Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love it. Junior pitcher Autumn Moffitt pitched a shutout against G-Dub. BYU faced a couple of really good teams. Oregon just outside the top 25, and number three Oklahoma both tonight. Baseball. Sophomore pitcher Reed McLaughlin is a preseason third-team All-American according to the NCBWA. Your boy used to be a member of that. Remember that? Reed became the first pitcher in Cougar history to record at least four saves and seven wins last season. He was a reliever who had seven wins. That's awesome. You need to send in your 20 bucks so you can get back into that elite group. I would, but I don't have 20 bucks. <laughs> the season starts next Friday in Arizona. Women's basketball. At San Diego on Saturday afternoon, third straight road contest for the Cougs. Tip-off 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. Tennis. Men's team plays at New Mexico tomorrow. Jesse Pinkman. And the women's team hosts Fresno State tomorrow. Cougars in pro hoops. Eric Mika has been waived by the Sacramento Kings. He's given a 10-day contract, played in one game, had six points in 19 minutes, played well. But uh, for now, it's back down to the G League. Track and field. Cougars are at the Boise Nike Invitational today and tomorrow. Swimming and diving. The BYU dive team. In a meet at the Air Force Invitational in Colorado Springs, it goes through Saturday in the last meet before the MPSF Championships. Cougars in the PGA. Zach Blair currently tied for 15th at 400 par in the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Back to you, Spencer. Football is not over, Jerem. Well, over under four weeks for this. Post-Super Bowl blues, my friends. Here comes the the XFL. Kicks off this weekend featuring five former BYU Cougars. I'm just excited about the BYU guys, okay? Micah Hanneman with the Tampa Bay Vipers. They take on Colby Pearson and the New York Guardians. DeAndre Wesley and his D.C. defenders face the Seattle Trogdors. Their dragon mascot really looks like Trogdor. And they feature Kurt Gavea on the coaching staff. That's cool. Yeah. T. John Caromo plays for the Houston Roughnecks, and Tomasi Lalele will suit up for the Dallas Renegades. You just never know with these leagues. Like, we had the AF that lasted a couple of weeks. I, I just think hope the XFL will last longer than the AAF. So six weeks. I don't know how long, but it'll be longer. <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. 
Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.